didn't you like that video? Wasn't that so funny? <laughs> that was great. Uh, we have our own Key, key and Peele here, right? So, you know, they're just great comedians. They work so well together. Well, happy 4th of July weekend. So glad that you're here with us. If you're joining us online, glad to have you. Of course, we are in a series we're doing on prayer called Dangerous Prayers. Before we launch into that, though, I want to just mention a couple things. First of all, we have our growth track that we're starting this week, this weekend. If you haven't taken growth track, step one, we'd love you to get back in the game, back in doing what, what, what uh, you know, doing what God's called you to do. Your assignment, we want to get behind that, and uh, we hope that you join us right after this service, step one. Also, we have our serve day coming up. So we're super excited about that. Do we do that? Well, hopefully we serve every, you know, we're always looking for opportunities to serve. But you know, uh, sometimes it's difficult to find ways to serve people. And so we really have brainstormed, come up with ways, especially during the COVID time. How can we help people out? You know, there's a lot of people that are in need nowadays uh, and have, have lots of challenges. And so we're going to help and serve them. If you're not sure what to do, uh, then what we encourage you to do is just show up Saturday, oh, this coming Saturday, at the church at 9 a.m. Now, if you're not, you're still social distancing, like not even coming to church, uh, we, we want to ask you to either pray for us, we'll talk about that in a moment, or you can just show up in your car. We'll give you uh, a, a way to serve somebody where you can to completely keep social distancing. You won't even have to get out of your car, and we'll help you to do that. Just, again, 9 o'clock here. Our small groups have rallied around that. A lot of them have projects. You can download the small group app, uh, excuse me, the Serve Day app on, at the App Store. Just go to Serve and uh, you'll see it. It's a, it's a red button. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And we're going to give everybody a serve uh, mask. I mean, it's a great mask, a great thing. Just to remind us, we wear masks to serve others. It's not to protect us. It's to serve others. Great a reminder of that. If you have your, if you have your shirt from previous, we've, this will be our third year, wear that. If you need a shirt, we have plenty, and we'll give you a serve day shirt as well. Okay, so hope to see you and be part of that. Well, I did talk to you uh, about the importance of prayer, and that's why we're talking about that. We started that a few weeks ago. This is part three. The reason we're talking about prayer is because we are supposed to be people of prayer. When you become a Christ follower, you step into another dimension. And so there's an undercurrent of spiritual things happening that people that are not Christ followers, have not had their spirit regenerated and born again, as Jesus talked about it. They don't see that. They don't get it. All, they only have these meetings that come through uh, their eyes and their ears, but there's a spiritual dimension. And the only way you can connect in with that, you can get your assignment from God, is for you to be a person of prayer. you got to be able to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, guiding you, directing you. All of those things are so vital, and we can easily neglect that. Next thing you know, our prayers unbalanced. Probably everybody here prays, probably everybody online, you know, you're, you're throwing out a prayer here and there. But we want to have a balanced prayer. And here's what I mean by that. If you were to decide, hey, I need to, I need to get back in shape, you know, after, you know, three and a half months of COVID, I'm not, 
I'm not where I want to be, and you decided to join a gym, one of the things that would happen if you got a gym instructor to help you is he would say, I'm going to make sure you are a balanced person in this experience. And if you said, oh, I only like the bench press, or I only like, you know, you know this particular apparatus, he's going to say, well, you can do that, but you, you're going to end up not being balanced. You're going to have like these, you know, muscles here, but missing muscles there, and you also got to do core, you got to make sure and uh, do uh, aerobics so that your heart is healthy, you need to eat right. I mean, balanced is a whole perspective, and prayer is like that. It's easy for us to be in balance in our prayer, and so having, if you if you know somebody who is 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 got a joy-filled, life-giving experience in prayer. They have balance, and I want to talk to you about that. Something that's worked for me. I came up with this a number of years ago, probably I guess about two decades. That I've used this in my own life, and so if you have a method that's working for you, praise God, keep using that. If you want something new, something added to your tool chest, you want to maybe you're in a prayer slump, or you want to grow in more dangerous prayers. I suggest you consider this. And it's based around my hand, because I always had my hand with me, right? I mean, even if you're missing a digit, you probably got another hand, you know, use that hand. But you, I, and I, I thought, what if we, I based a model of prayer, based really on the Lord's Prayer, uh, and I use my hand to kind of be triggers, to help me to remember. And thumb is, starts for Thanksgiving, because that's how we begin our prayer. Praying, remembering God's done great things in my life. And that's so important to verbalize that, to remind yourself of that, that God, we thank God because he has good things for us. I love this verse here in Jeremiah. It says, I alone know the plans I have for you, plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster, plans to bring you about the future you hope for. I love that, the future that you hope for. God has a good future for you. You will come and pray to me and I will answer you. So Coming in Thanksgiving, remembering God has done some remarkable things, and he wants to do remarkable things in my life. Now, you see a story where Jesus healed some people, and Jesus uses that as an opportunity to talk about Thanksgiving and prayer. Here's how the story goes. While Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was going through the area between Samaria and Galilee as he came into a small town. Here it is, 10 men, 10 men who had a skin disease. They had leprosy. This, it was a horrible disease. Uh, met him there. They did not come close to Jesus, but called to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So they didn't go into details. It was obvious what their problem was. Uh, the leprosy was a horrible illness, still is, uh, but, but there's a lot of uh, intervention today. It's not as nearly like it was, but in, in those days, they had nothing for people. They would just like remove them from society. So they were social outcasts, and it was a horribly painful and disfiguring disease. They would become all disfigured, they, they would become numb, they couldn't feel anything, and ultimately their flesh would start to fall off their, their bodies, their limbs would start to fall off their bodies, they would go blind, all these terrible things, and so that's why they stayed at a distance, that's why it's obvious. But they're coming to Jesus, they're just saying, hey, just have mercy on us. When Jesus saw the men, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. So that's, that was his instruction, go and show yourself to the priests. As the 10 men were going, they were healed. So they obeyed God. And in the process, it's not like he healed them first and said, now go show them. He did that sometimes here. What he did is he says, you go and obey. As they go, they were healed. Here's the remarkable thing. When one of them saw that he was healed, he went back to Jesus, praising God in a loud voice. Then he bowed down at Jesus' feet 
and thanked him. So there's a key. He, he goes and he, he worships him and he thanks him. And he says, and this man was a Samaritan. Now here's where I want to really do, just focus in on. Jesus said, weren't ten men healed? No, this is true, right? Ten men were healed. And what happens if you're a person who's a social outcast, you have a horribly disfiguring illness, and you're in all constant pain, your limbs are going to be rotting off of your, your body, and you are suddenly healed. Would you be thankful? The answer is yes. Out of ten, how many should be thankful? All ten, and all ten were. But is the Samaritan, he says, where were the other nine? That's the question. Where were the other nine? If ten, but only one comes and gives thanks. He goes, is the Samaritan the only one who came back to thank God? Then Jesus said to him, stand up and go your way. You were healed because you were believed. So thanksgiving is an important part of our recognition of what God has done in our life. It's not enough just to feel appreciation. It's that we actually do it. We say something. Uh, this past week, Sharon was talking about uh, some, some, somebody had done something in her life, and it really blessed her and made a big difference. And I said, you know, Sharon, you should go and write a note right now. I mean, she, she, we, we, we try to do that a lot, but I, we remind each other. I said, it'll make a difference. They would love to hear the impact that they made. And she goes, you know, that's a great idea. But th there is a difference between just feelings of appreciation and actually verbalizing it. Thanksgiving is when we verbalize our grateful feelings. It's not enough just to feel appreciation, feel grateful about your parents or about your spouse or about your boyfriend or girlfriend or about your son or daughter, I mean, or your friend or your neighbor or somebody at work. It, there's a difference when we actually verbalize it, right? Oh, yeah, they know how I think about it or how I feel about them. Well, maybe they'd like to hear about it, you know? It's, and that's true with God. When we actually thank God, we're expressing our grateful feelings. Don't forget to thank God for his answer. So this is a big part of this aspect of thanking God. We don't, and we can forget that. That's why it says, be careful. Don't forget that. And when we pray, God uses that to change us. I like this from Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of D Discipline. He says, to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. Now notice this. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer. If you've abandoned prayer, if you're not praying like you know you need to, maybe the issue is you don't want to change because that's the principal vehicle that God uses in our life to change us. You go, do I need to be changed? You do. You, need to, you can grow. You can get better. God's got plans for you. He has a, a, a mission for you, but he also wants to develop our character. He wants us to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, to be joyful. You might say, well, I, I'm pretty joyful. He wants you to be more joyful. To be kind. I'm pretty kind. People tell me that. He wants you to be more kind and to be loving and to be generous and all those things. And a big part of that happens through prayer. We will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. And so we need to be careful not to let that happen. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we will see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. To pray is to change. And so a big part of Thanksgiving is God uses that in our lives to change us and to set our mind in the right place when we go into prayer. Remembering he answers prayer. He wants to answer prayer, and he's got a future that is good for you. Number two is the index finger. So we all 
start out with the thumb. So when you pray, when I'm walking, I like to pray and walk sometimes. I have my thumb. I start with Thanksgiving. Then I go to my index finger. I think about intercession. Now, intercession is an important part of prayer where we pray for others. We don't we have our own concerns. We have our own issues. Often that's what brings us to prayer and say, I've got to go pray about that. I've got this pain in my life. I've got this difficulty going on. But we begin, if we have a, a, a balanced prayer life, then we, we begin with Thanksgiving. Then we start praying for others. We, we, del- we wait. You know, we wait on our own need and we pray for other people. This is intercession. It says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made and it made for everyone. Intercession. What is intercession? It's when you allow God to use you to, to influence other people's lives for his sake. So you say, well, does God need me? No, he doesn't need you, but he wants to use you. He's chosen to say, hey, I want to use my people to change the world. Intercession is when I make myself available to God to become a channel of God's power to others. You get to be used by God. He wants you to make a difference with your life. And the way you make a difference, a big part of that is through prayer. Now, you may say, hey, I don't have the gift of intercession. I don't have the gift of intercession. Well, just because you don't have the gift, I mean, you may not have the gift of evangelism. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to ever share your faith. You still can do your part. You still can share what God's done in your life. You can still say, I was once blind and now I see. Doesn't mean didn't mean that guy had like this special gift. He just said, hey, this is what God did in my life. And it's true with intercession. You can still pray for others because God wants us to put others before ourselves. Out of humility of mind, everyone should give preference to others. And that's true in prayer. We pray for others. I care about others. I, you know, God puts something on my heart. Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be thinking or I'll have a dream about somebody and I'll think, you know, I don't know what they're going through, but they probably need prayer. That's something I think. And I just over the years have come to the realization God wakes me up or drops somebody in my mind while I'm driving or whatever. And I, and I, and I just know God wants me to pray for that person. And many times, not every time, but many times I'll check in or I'll hear back and it was they were going through something right around that time. And people have done that for me. When I'm going through a difficult time, they have no idea. Nobody knows. Sharon doesn't know. I've told nobody and all of a sudden I'll get an email or a text. I've been praying for you. I, I don't know if you're going through something, but just God put you on my heart. And it's, you know, it's just like, wow, that's God. You know, at first it was like spooky, like, whoa, what's going on? Now I've just come to the conclusion, God cares about me. And, and, he, and he raises up people that, I can, that will pray for me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So this is a big part of why we pray for others. Let me give you three ways to pray for others. One is the hot list. In other words, people are in the fire. They are, they are hot. They are in trouble. They're in crisis. And you need to be praying for them. Or you pray for yourself. But this is what it is, is when somebody's you know, in crisis. And you know, we're good at that, right? We understand when you're up against the wall, you need prayer, and that certainly is an important part of that. And you need an intercessor when, you're, when you have difficulty. My intercessor is my friend. Some of you have more friends than you realize. You didn't realize you had people praying for you and that they're really some of your best friends. God's raising them up. If you're in a small group, you have a band of friends that are praying for you. Many people have nobody praying for them. If you ask them, well, who, who's praying for you? Then? I don't know. If you're in a small group, you know. Oh, yeah, they know what I'm going through. They're praying for me. They're praying for me regularly. 
My intercessors, my friend, as my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. And so this is a big a, a part of this where I'm just, God's putting something on. We're praying emotionally. We care about it. There might be tears. I'm praying. You're in, you're in the hot zone, and I'm praying for you. So there's the hot list. Then there's the hit list. Everybody, if you've ever watched, like, you know, some mafia movie, you know what the hit list is, right? Somebody's got, somebody's got it out for you. And it's true. We have people in our lives sometimes that they are an aggressor. They have it out for us. They want to make our life miserable. They're not happy when uh, good things happen to us. They, they, they drive by right when you got pulled over for a ticket and they got a big grin. You know, they're just, they're not happy for you. Maybe it's your, the fact that you follow the Lord and that irritates them. Maybe it's something, maybe it's your personality and your his and their personality. They just they kind of just grind. There's a lot of different reasons, but when you have somebody that they're they're looking for bad things to happen, they're trying to harm you in some way, you you pray about that. You know, you're not silent. That's not off the that's not off the table. You pray, my God, rescue me from my enemies. The psalmist had that problem, and, he's, and he prayed, rescue me, God. Defend me from those mutineers. Rescue me from their dirty tricks. Save me from their hitmen. I mean, they're, they're coming at me. I did nothing to deserve this, God. Cross no one, wrong no one. Now, this is important because sometimes it is partly our fault. And so if we have done something to offend somebody, to hurt somebody, we cross the line, you know, we just got to own up to that. The Bible says in Hebrews in Romans, that we're to be at peace with all men as far as it is possible to us. So we can't, we can't always make it peaceful, but we do our part. And if there's something we've done to cause problems, we own that, and 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 then we and then we lay it, you know, lay it at the feet of of the cross. All the same, they're after me, determined to get me. So you have the hot list, you have the hit list, and then you have the hopeless. And this is where we pray about the things that God has put in our heart. The, the, he wants to birth area, dreams and visions and, 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 and hopes that you can go for. When you wake up, it's not just, oh, another day. It's like, I wonder what God's going to do in my chapter of this book, of this place he's taken me. Because God wants you to have hope in your heart. He says, now glory be to God, who is by his mighty power at work within us, is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers. And so when we're praying, we're praying, God wants us to, to dare to pray something big, to ask something beyond what we could even, you know, in our own way, we'd say, oh, that could never happen. Well, that sounds like that's the beginning of a good prayer. Oh, God would never do that. That's a beginning of a good prayer. That's impossible. Mm, another beginning of a good prayer. And you say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for these things and hope for these things. You go, Andy, part of the thing is I had a dream and it crashed and burned and some of it was my fault or all of it was my fault. How can I possibly dare to dream again? That's, why, that's when you need courage even more to dare to dream because God doesn't give up on you. Even if you are the reason for a burned dream, a ruined dream in the past, it's not like, okay, you're going to sit on the sidelines from here and tell you, you know, till you go to heaven, it doesn't work like that. God wants you back in the game. He's got, he, he, he re-equips. 
He reassigns. You see this all throughout Scripture. People that have made, made mistakes where, you know, David did stupid things and Moses did dumb things and Abraham and God constantly brought him back in the game, said, I want to use you again. You got to dare to dream because God has something great for you. So the thumb is thanksgiving. The index finger is intercession. Now, I actually like to pray with my, like, my fingers down like that, you know, so that when I get to that finger, if you do it the other way, it's kind of like, People might get the wrong idea what's going on, you know, then you might have something else to confess. I don't know. But the center finger, right, is what I'm calling. I'm not the middle finger because it doesn't fit my paradigm. Uh, but the center finger is for confession. And that's an important part of clearing the air with God, but also cleansing us. Confession is God's way of giving us a fresh start. And we all need a fresh start. Not just once in a blue moon, we need it regularly. Here the Bible says, he would not have listened if I had not confessed my sins. And so God wants us to bring confession. Now, when I was a new believer, I would hear people confess, you know, publicly, kind of like say, uh, oh, I'm a sinner, and God, please forgive me. You know, it's kind of real general, real global. You know, I'm just this, this sinner, and I need your forgiveness. And I always thought that that's, you know, wow, that sounds pretty magnanimous pretty humble. That must be the way you do it. But I've discovered that that actually is a wimpy way to confess. If you want dangerous prayers, if you want powerful prayers, you need to do more than just that. And so do I. And because here's why. We don't sin generally. We sin specifically. I actually think about it and I sin. Premeditated sin. I'm not doing, I'm going to do it anyways. I know I'm not supposed to do it. And I just blatantly sin and so that's why it needs to be confessed like that if I'm going to get that stuff taken care of if I'm, otherwise it's just going to continue to stay in my life I'm always going to have this this thing going on in my life that never really gets resolved because confession not only brings cleansing it brings healing it brings freedom and so confession is a is, is part of having dangerous prayers so I don't just confess oh I'm a sinner I say oh actually you know I sinned in this way you know, I had that, you know, I actually took something from work or I treated my wife bad or I, 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 I you know, I did something intentionally to my neighbor when I, you know, I, and I, what happens is if you start to put a, a, a verbiage to it and you're specific, you know, then you say, well, you know, when I exaggerated, because that's a euphemism, right, for lying, you know, you know, when I, when I, when I, a white lie, you know, when I lied, I'm a liar. Well, about the fifth or sixth time you're in prayer and you call yourself a liar, that gets old. It doesn't feel good anymore. Oh, God, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm selfish. You start to realize, hey, I, I need to either fish or cut bait on this thing. I need to change things around. And you start to uproot that stuff. Hey, I don't like this. But as long as it's global and, and uh, you know, and real general, it doesn't really go to the root of anything. So it's important to, you know, really talk about that. And then what God does is he starts to change things. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new, become new. This is a promise that you get when you become a Christ follower. You step in, out of the darkness, into the light. You start following Christ. He goes, all things become new. But we know that doesn't always happen, right? But yet this is a promise. That's because we need to walk this out. This is something that we walk into and we do part, part of the way we achieve this is through confession. Is as you want things to become new, 
You make them new. Every day you go to God, you say, God, I need something new in my life. I need freshness. I need newness. And it happens through confession. Confession is a very powerful way. It takes things out of the dark and puts them into the light. And God uses that to help us grow in community. Sin, this is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was martyred during the Nazis. He was in Germany and stood up for his faith. And right at the very end in 1945, he was martyred. But here's what he said to his band of believers that he was pastoring. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more disastrous is this isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. So that's what confession does is it pulls it out of the darkness into the light, out of bondage into freedom. And you step into that and you go, you know what, I want freedom. I don't want to just stay where I'm at. I don't want those shameful thoughts to continue to, from my past to continue to predict my future and to, and to cause these, these thoughts. And it just drains us of joy. It says, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. The shame of your youth will be remembered no more. God says, I'm not going to remember it anymore when you confess it so you don't have to. You can let go of the shame and the guilt and all of that. You need that. And we need that every day. We go before God every day and we just keep a short list. You know, just God, today, you know, this is what I need to confess. And it really opens up our prayer life. Then uh, the ring finger. Ring fingers for requests. Most of us get that. We understand about, you know, you need something, and if you need something big enough, you pray about it. I learned this as a kid. One of my first prayers I remember praying, I was going to Chicago. We lived in Arizona at the time with my mom. It was just me and my mom. We were going to land into Chicago, and the pilot on his uh, dashboard, on the, it said there that the landing gear was malfunctioning. And so he called the uh, the control tower, they said, hey, you need to dump all of your fuel. They flew over, and they couldn't see the landing gear. So he says, you need to fly over Lake Michigan, dump all of your fuel, and just land on fumes, because if it explodes, you know, then it, you don't want all that fuel everywhere. So we did. We go over in Lake Michigan, dump it all. As we're coming in, I can see, I'm a little kid, I look out the window, I see the whole runway lined with fire trucks with their lights on on both sides and they had covered the entire runway with this foam and we I guess we we're just going to come in on this on the belly you know just pretty dangerous the pilot gets on the the intercom and he says hey if you believe in prayer this would be a great time for you to be praying I thought I saw everybody around me my mom's crying she's praying people are whimpering all around the plane they're crying as a little kid I thought this is probably a good time to pray you know might as well jump in now. It doesn't get any better. You won't find a better opportunity than this. You know, so we're instructed to put our, our heads between our laps. And, and it turns out that the landing gear did turn on. There was some electrical malfunction. And so everything worked out. But in the moment, it seemed like a good time to pray. Requests. You know, and those are like, you know, big requests. But God says for his belief, for, for those who follow him, we're to go daily. We go to God and we say, God, this is what I need. In the Lord's Prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Every day you need things to get through the day. You need not, he's not talking about just food. He's talking about things to get through the day. Here's what, I'm, here's what I need in order for me to start fulfill the calling you have on my life. God, I need these, this provision. I need you to help me here. 
And we don't forget that. He says, let your requests be made known to God. So this is really important. We have requests. Now, if you're like me, you know that not every prayer gets answered, right? And then you even wonder, have you ever wondered, like, I wonder if I should even be praying about this. Is this even an answerable prayer? You know, is this, are God and I even on the same page? Because if you and God aren't even on the same page, then it probably is, it's not worth praying, right? It is a waste of breath. There are some prayers that you can pray that you don't need to waste your time. It's, you're not on the same page, and God, you're not going to be able to wrench this out, this blessing. Because God, God's blessing sometimes looks, we think what we want is, is, is best for us. Sometimes God knows that's not best for you. I know that that feels good now. It feels right now, but it's not best for you. It's not really what I had uh, in store for you in this life. And so, so we need to be in, in tune with God. Here's what he says. Since we have this confidence, he's talking about going to God in prayer, going to God in confidence. He says, we can also have great boldness before him. So you're going to God, you have boldness. For if we, for if we present any request, now here's the key phrase, agreeable to his will. Any request agreeable to to his will. He will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we also know that we have obtained the request we ask of him. So he says it's going to happen. You ask and and you're in agreement with what God has, it's as good as gold. It's happening. So the key is make sure what we pray is in his will. How do you know what God's will is? That's what the Bible is. That's why God gives us his holy word. He says, this is my will. Pray according to my will. That's why it's important that we're in God's word. That's why Satan doesn't want you in prayer, and he certainly doesn't want you in the Bible. Because if you're in the Bible, if you're in God's word, you're learning his will. Your prayers are going to start to harmonize with his will, and you're going to find you're going to have some dangerous prayers. You're going to have some things really happening in your life and really getting jazzed about it, and it's going to be a game changer for you. It is true that if sometimes people will say, oh, God, I want you to bless this relationship. I want you to bless this business deal that's going down. And the truth is, God doesn't want to bless that relationship. God doesn't want you to operate your business like that. God doesn't want these things to happen. And you can pray until the cows come home and it's not going to change anything because that is not God's will. You're trying to force it. You're trying to make it. And so going to God's word and saying, God, what is your will? And then remember, prayer is about change. And lack of prayer is often about the fact that we really don't want to change. We want God to change to us. God, hey, I'm all on board as long as you agree with everything I want. Well, that's just not the way it goes. God wants us to become more like him. And our, jo- and our job is to be transformed into his likeness. Three categories of requests. Ministry requests. I always pray for people that are far from God. That's a passion of mine. I, it's, it's a passion of this church. We want people to know God. And so that doesn't happen through some logical argument. It's not, you're not going like to outmaneuver somebody logically and help them come to, to come to Christ. That is something that happens spiritually. Their eyes are blinded. Satan is operating in their life. And, you, and so it's a spiritual warfare thing. And so we are praying about that. Also, you pray for people. People, the people request, people come to me all the time. I'm sure they come to you and you're praying for them and you're praying for their situation and then personal requests, personal ministry. Now, some people, they just don't feel comfortable getting prayer for themselves. 
They'll, they'll, and so they're always praying for, you know, their uncle or their aunt or a friend, but they never receive prayer for themselves. And listen, that's a big part of what we believe here at the Vineyard. We believe God wants you to receive prayer. If you go to a small group, that's one of the things that you're going to experience. Now, honestly, honestly, it doesn't happen a lot right now because of Zoom. I find it very difficult to find, uh, you know, personal prayer. We always end in prayer in our Zoom, in our Zoom small group. But it's just, there's something that is not the same. That's all I know. I'm not, maybe if we're, if we're doing this long enough, I guess I'll figure it out. But there's something very powerful when we're together and we're praying and God does something together and we do prayer ministry over people and some huge breakthroughs happen. And so uh, if, if, you're, if you're doing Zoom, certainly if you're a coach or you're a team leader, you're leading one of the small groups, be praying about, God, how can I make sure that I don't miss the personal requests that people, people get personal ministry time? Okay, and then lastly is the pinky. It's the smallest finger, but it doesn't mean it's least important, right? I mean, the pinky is very important because it's, it's praise. I don't want to forget praise, the wonder we have with God, the majesty of remembering what God is. It's one of the things I love about when we sing. Often we're, we're either doing some kind of creed of reminding ourselves of, of things that are true in Scripture that we agree with and we're at least we're, we're trying to agree with, we're learning, God teach me. Uh, to, to be in alignment with what your word says. But another part of, of, of when we sing is, is often just declaring the wonder of God. When I was a new believer, that part was kind of awkward for me. I would not gone to church really, and, and when I came to Christ and I started going to church, I'd see people, you know, raising their hands, singing, some people crying, some people dancing, all kinds. Of, I, it just, like, it, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I thought, this, this is so weird. I didn't get it. Because that's something that you learn. It's, for me, it didn't come naturally. It would say learn thing. Oh, I, I learn how to praise God, to come and adore Him and worship Him and, and, to, and to come and, and recognize how great He is. That's something that I've learned. And I learned that in a lot of ways. One is by going into God's Word. One is just, it's just knowing who God is. The more I've learned who God is, the, the easier it is to recognize how great he is. But praise is certainly a big part of that. The Bible says, all of you people, come praise our God. Let his praises be heard. There's something powerful about saying your praise, speaking it out. You hear it. God hears it. When we're together in the congregation, others hear it. We hear one another. There's something powerful that happens. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, the first century Christians decided to add a doxology and said, hey, you know what? It's Because the Lord's Prayer is what Jesus taught the disciples to pray as a model, and certainly we're part of the disciples. This is our model. And then the first century Christians added this doxology, and here's how it, here, here's how it ends. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's What is that? That's praise. They recognize, you know, let's just praise God for giving us this gorgeous, beautiful prayer and for all that he does for us. We want to be people that understand praise, understand who he is and his majesty, and go to God and thank him. And we bring intercession, we bring confession, we bring our requests, and we always conclude with prayer. This is a balanced prayer. This follows the, the, the model of the Lord's Prayer in a balanced way so that you grow in your, in your faith. 
you grow in, in being a person of prayer that changes things. And your prayers become dangerous. When you pray, things change. You go, yeah, but dangerous sounds scary. Like it's bad. No, it's what it depends. It's bad for the devil. And I'm, and, you know, so, but it, it changes things. And that's what I want us to be a church as we come together and God's changing things in our society. He's changing things in the church. And, he's, and a number of things are happening. I mean, this 2020 has been already some major upheavals and changes in so many ways. And the church can respond, step up to the plate, and it will begin with prayer. It, we need to be people of prayer, getting our marching orders. You know, it's, you can get them from the TV. You can get them from the break room. There's all kinds of places where you can, you can get your cues of how you're supposed to respond. But I am telling you, as Christ followers, our number one way where we get our, we pull our cues from is from the Holy Spirit. If he says, go into that house, so I don't have a mask. And the Holy Spirit says, you go into that house and you pray for somebody. You can say, well, what would Dr. Fauci say? Or you can say, what is the Holy Spirit telling me to do right now? I know that's not politically correct to say that, but I am telling you, my friends, we have always said, do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. Sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense, but you do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. I'm not saying do dumb things, but I'm saying you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And you're going to know that when you have a life of prayer going on. You're used to hearing from God. You're connecting with Him. You're following your life. You're not perfect, but you're trying to do things according to His will. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this moment of time. This moment of time. We watch TV shows about times of the past. We watch TV shows about times of what the future might behold and what things will be like. And that's fine for maybe historical learning or fantasy. But God calls us to this generation to this moment, to the crisis we are facing and our generation is facing. And generation meaning people that are alive today, not just the boomers or the millennials or something. I'm talking about our generation. God's called us to every person who's alive today. Let, let us be present here and now. Lord, help us to be people of prayer that we recognize we can make a big impact. And we're never really going to know what the best way to go. We can try to be good, civic-minded people. We can try to be politically correct, but we'll never really know the right way to go without hearing from you. And so God, speak to us. Let us be people that hear from you. Lord, I pray that we would learn to be, give you thanks. We'd bring intercession, pray for others. So Lord, teach us to be people that are bold in our confession, that don't have wimpy confessions. Let us be ruth, ruthless about it. If it's something that's going on in our life, instead of protecting it, say, God, you deal with this. And Lord, let us have our requests be made known to you. If you've never put your faith in Christ, listen, that is 
a worthwhile request, right? There's a Holy Spirit come into my life. If you've never done that, do that right now. Just right now, right where you're at. Just say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my personal space, into my heart, into my mind. Cleanse me. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. And because of that, I can receive cleansing, newness of life. Make me new. In Jesus' name.